right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lepko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lepko and... Alright, it's time to introduce a normal white guy you see at the park trying to teach his kids how to play soccer, and you know he can't really play soccer himself, which is, oh God, the best way to describe it ever. Uh, Eli Manning, only mess with you. That, of course, from Martellus Bennett. Uh, Eli, you got an off day, dude. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, enjoy, enjoying the off day, and, uh, you know, camp's going well, but we've had a couple hot ones this, this week, oh, so uh, always, always appreciate an off day. What did you think of Martellus' description of you? Uh, it doesn't doesn't surprise me. Having been a teammate of uh, of Martellus uh, for a year, uh, <laughs> I I, uh, I I appreciate his humor, and uh, you know when I uh, that was a pretty interesting uh, analysis, and I uh, just had to laugh at it. Dude, it was pretty so funny. Hey, so how staying on the Directv theme here? I mean, how many commercials did you film this off season for Directv and with Peyton? I uh, didn't uh, didn't really do any directly with Peyton to have you know kind of a commercial where he's you know he's uh, calling kind of, you he's calling me on game day see if I can hang out and come over for for you know for something to eat and so uh, <laughs> it's pretty but, good uh, yeah so but you know had some fun did a couple, you know did a commercial direct TV and and uh, I've always you know uh, for over the years uh, I've always enjoyed doing doing that and and. Uh, you know, um, you know, if, if you if you want, if you're a football fan, and, and for the last 20 years, Directv NFL Sunday tickets been the place to go to watch uh, all the games out of market every every Sunday. And now uh, this year, I've already I've already signed Peyton up for this new service. Uh, especially if you live in a if you live in an apartment building, uh, or you, and you couldn't get Directv for any reason. Also, if you're a college student. Uh, you can go to uh, uh, NFL uh, Sunday Ticket TV and get all the games out of market stream right to your phone or device. So I've made sure Peyton's all signed up. He has no reason to miss any Giants game this year. Good doesn't, job, little doesn't, bro. Doesn't Eli look felt? Uh, yes, he does. You well, look, he's, you like skinny, he said, he's been man. some hot days, so he's been sweating his butt off the last few days. <laughs> exactly. So you know, going into yeah, two two plus weeks in the. In the camp, you, uh, you might lose a few pounds. How many, here yeah, so I was gonna say, how much weight do you tend, you usually lose during training camp? Uh, you know, you probably lose between three and four, you know, four and five pounds. Right. Uh, and you know, try to try to keep it on, but you know, it's just it's just hard, especially these last couple of days. It's been some, uh, we've had some long longer practices and some hot weather, and so uh, you know, just trying to hydrate, trying to keep it all on. But you, you always you always drop a few pounds, but uh, it'll it'll come back on. All right, Eli, I have a few human being questions because as I've interviewed more and more athletes, I'm realizing that your tendencies on third down the red zone, I'm not going to get an answer to. So I'm curious, one, do you drink coffee? And if so, how do you take it? Uh, I drink, I do drink coffee. Uh, and uh, I just drink it, drink it black. Yeah. yeah. Way to go. Welcome to the club. Second, are you reading any books right now other than your playbook? Uh, currently right now, I'm not reading uh, any books. During the season, it gets tough. I can't uh, even imagine. During the off season, uh, during training camp, definitely no time. Uh, during the off season, uh, I'll try to read a couple books. All right, I want to. Ra- I, I know I always went th- through this as a young kid with my dad because, of course, and you have some parallels not only being quarterback, but like my dad from the South and had to come up to crazy New Jersey. And as I was growing up, dad always used to mother f New Jersey. Oh. Jersey, I can't stand it, blah, 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 blah. Now, of course, he's New Jersey, and he loves it, and it's his home. 
Do you cons- what was your thoughts of Jersey when you first got here? And do you consider yourself now a permanent Northeasterner or a Louisianer? <laughs> uh, it, it was it wasn't different. It was a different uh, coming up here from you know from grew up in New Orleans, in school in Mississippi, and then uh, it was more just the roads in New Jersey, just driving around. Yeah, I, I'm still a huge uh, you know GPS guy. Uh, rely on it. Had to you know had to break it out this morning you know to get into the facility. Uh, you know, just traffic all over the place. I needed an alternate route. Uh, so there's definitely some some times, but uh, but yeah, I mean I'm, I'm you know going into my 13th year, I, I am a I'm a northeasterner. I, you know I'm you know, raising my kids up here. You know this is where we spend our off seasons now, and and uh, it's just kind of it's what it's turned into be, and and we've enjoyed enjoyed the New Jersey area and the New York area. On the kid question, are they saying anything right now that you're like, wow, I couldn't imagine me saying that as growing up in the South as a kid. Well, yeah, my, my oldest, who's five, uh, Ava, she, you know, we were back in, we were back in Mississippi this summer a little bit, and one of the, uh, she was playing with a couple girls, and, and one of the girls came up to uh, the, uh, her dad, and I was with them, and said, Ava keeps saying, hey, hey, you guys. <laughs> and she's like, there's no guys over here. And she doesn't know the y'all. She, you know, she's just, you know, the y'all is foreign to her. She's a, she's a you guys kind of guy. That's amazing. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, people, and when I went to Texas, they used to say the same thing. Like, why are you always saying guys? Hey, guys, I yo, say guys. It I know, it is. Uh, Eli, what is your favorite New York City restaurant? Oh, uh, you know, I, I don't think I can pick one right there. I got I got several that, that oh, uh, let me get a list. I go to that, that take care of me and uh, treat me well. So I couldn't, I couldn't. Uh, there, there's, there's a, there's too many to pick, and you know you can go to, you can go to New York restaurant every week and, and have the best meal of your life. Okay, right. I'm gonna give you some word association because you're one of the smartest quarterbacks in football. 39 on the Wonderlick. Yes, I'm putting that out there. All right, first of all, I, I don't think I've ever heard you say this. I just want to know who was your favorite quarterback growing up without the last name Manning? Uh, who did you kind of look up to? Yeah, you know, I was a Brett Favre guy. Just, uh, right. you know, that was kind of right in my prime when I was, you know, he went 96, 97. He's winning championships or winning a championship and getting MVPs, and he's playing great. And he, he just looked like he was having so much fun uh, playing the game, just kind of laughing and running around and a wild man. And and uh, I've gotten, to, you know, gotten to, uh, he's from Mississippi boy, and I've gotten to, you know, know Brett a little bit over the years. And uh, he's just a, he's a good man, and uh, he was a heck of a football player, and, and it's been fun watching. Now, when Coach McAdoo came to the Giants, he kind of had some old Green Bay, right, kind of right. installing his system. You know, I enjoy seeing the Brett Favre clips on, on running some of those plays. Yeah, good job ruining his last year in Green Bay in that NFC Championship game. Real nice, Eli. By the way, so you started that by going, I'm going to do some word association. I know, I wanted to go there. you asked him a quarterback Sorry, question. word association, because you've been around a lot of crazy characters in your career with the Giants. I sure. want to go, okay, Jeremy Shockey, one word answer. Jeremy Shockey, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Uh, wild man. Michael Strahan. Uh, just a leader. All right. Tiki Barber. Good running back. <laughs> that was two words. Uh, okay, and then let's just go with Odell Beckham Jr. Talented. Yeah, have you ever seen anything like Odell Beckham Jr., like just as far as playing with? I mean, he's got to be the most talented receiver physically you, you've ever been with. He's fun. He's fun to play with, and, uh, you know, he, he kind of gives a new definition uh, to the word open. And, uh, you know, you, you can – 
you can throw it into some tight spots, um, and he, he just makes plays. He's, he's fun, but he also, um, you know, when he's not open, he's open, but he also gets open a lot in, in the sense where he's, he's breaking in corners' ankles and he's giving double moves and he's sticking them and he's, you know, finding ways to get tons of separation on a lot of plays, and that's what, that's what a quarterback likes to see when, when that guy just gets, gets wide open on man-to-man coverage. Right. I have one last question before we got to let you go because I know you got a lot of stuff to talk to and all that. This is very important. What is the last time you did karaoke, and if you were to get challenged, what would your karaoke song be? Um, well, the, the last time, you know, besides last night, you mean? Yes, of course. <laughs> Not last night. No, uh, uh, for the commercial, I did it for the commercials. That was back in June. Had you know, had a lot of practice on the same song over and over again. But uh, it's been a while. It has been a while since I did karaoke. Uh, but back in the, back in the heyday when I was doing a decent amount of it in college, uh, Footloose. Footloose was my song. I had a little <laughs> dance to it. You know, big kept Bacon fans. So that was a, that was. Did a good that one. play well to the crowd? Is that one where everyone would get up? You know, it played well to me, and I think that's what was most important. I I was in the zone, and I was feeling it. No one else, you know, it, it usually was kind of late at night. Maybe it was in my apartment. I wanted everybody to leave. That's when I broke out the karaoke footloose and, you know, make sure everybody could drift out of there. Loose, footloose. I would, I would pay to see I it. I would pay to see that yeah. in a second. Eli Manning, you were the dude. Uh, enjoy it. Good luck this season, except when you play the Eagles, dude. Have a great day. Good luck, Eli. Uh, be good, man. All right, Chris. Oh. Uh, well, Footloose. Footloose. That would be funny. Well, what's funny is I thought he was going to dodge that, like the New York City restaurant question, oh, because right. he definitely goes to a few, and he's like, oh, I can't answer that question. And I thought he was going to say, it's been a while, so I was going to start going, it's been a while. No, but uh, I don't know who sings that And so. I was an idiot. You're right. Word association. And we then- have breaking news. The Philadelphia Eagles. No way. What? Stop. So Cam just said in my ear, we've never had breaking news in the podcast before. Right. He is saying the Eagles have just traded offensive lineman Dennis Kelly, a right. reserve that would swing between guard and tackle, right. to the Tennessee Titans for one Doriel Green Beckham. Wow. Now, we're positive. Who is this source to? Who are we giving credit to? This is live on the podcast. By the way, to everybody... Philadelphia Eagles Twitter account, if it is false, Cam will have to wear a hat all day. To those listening to the podcast, we are recording this on Tuesday morning at around 10 o'clock a.m. Right. So we'll do some quick reactions to this, which is very interesting. Right. Uh, One, I look at it and go, uh, it makes sense from what I saw in the preseason game where none of the Eagles wide receivers could get open at all. Right. Josh Huff had a number of blunders in quartering a fumble that was recovered. Uh, Jordan Matthews has been a little bit banged up. Yes. But it's going to this another big wide receiver where I kind of thought the issue with the wide receiving core was speed. I was just about Um, to go there. kind of look at the size and all that Uh, the second thing I think of is um, Lane Johnson is likely suspended for 10 days and I kind of thought they needed a lot of offensive line depth Um, but they're also playing Isaac Samelu the the rookie out of Oregon State Um, and I know that they have Steven Wisniewski that has been brought in Um, what also tells me is they had challenged uh, DGB down there at Tennessee early and they had not liked what they had seen um, and they had they had also challenged Justin Hunter. So this is a wide receiver. And they didn't start. None of them started down None there. Tajay started. Sharp started and Tajay Sharp Matthews yeah. started for right. them down there. Uh, so it is interesting. I, I always kind of get worried. And it's also interesting where I kind of thought the Titans offensive line was a strength. 
Well, I, I agreed, especially after the first game. I watched that game on film yesterday, so I'm a little surprised as well. But I'm guessing there's there may be some uh, concerns with depth on their O-line, too. It must be that type of move. Uh, I'm sure they're a little bit uh, – maybe that left guard spot could be an issue. Center guard, they've been playing around with that. But I'm a little surprised regardless with Tennessee because – uh, it's not the most talented receiving group down there. I did a Titans game last year where Doyle Green Beckham was phenomenal at the he end of the year. He could be fantastic. He could be fantastic. What about from the Eagles' perspective? Because the backup offensive lineman is not as sexy as the wide receiver with a ton of upside. No, he has a ton. Of, he could be a superstar. And, and listen, it's the one thing, if I was going to be a little picky of the Eagles' picks with, you know, Matthews from Vanderbilt. Uh, what's his first name? Uh, Jordan. Jordan, sorry. And then Nelson Aguilar. Yes. Listen, they Nelson were- Aguilar had an absolutely awful preseason week one I'm talking about he missed a, a blatant block on a screen that was a complete lack of effort took his eye off the ball multiple times and frankly he hasn't shown any sparks so do you think this is more of an indication on the lack of consistency from Huff and Aguilar than the potential of DGB uh yeah I think it's because he seems like the same as those guys yes he's a little more freakish though than them than them I think at the end of the day because I think at least okay yes he's not going to be He's not going to make millions of dollars because of his ability to separate all the time. But he is one of those guys that when you see him in person, you go, holy crap, he's gigantic. Yes. He's like and he, I will say, with like Zach Ertz, Jordan Matthews, and DGB, that's a lot of size. Yes. It's really great for young quarterbacks to, to be able to lob it up there when in doubt. I always thought they overdrafted Nelson Aguilar. Uh, I, I always thought he could be a good pro, but I never thought he was a first-round talent. You know, he doesn't do anything that was ultra-elite in college. Uh, yes, he had some nice punt returns, uh, but all in all, I never saw physical greatness there. Mm. I, th- I saw a lot of good, consistent play. Yeah. Same with Matthews at Vanderbilt. And I guess that's really, at the end of the day, what they're a little concerned One about. One of my downfalls as an analyst when D-D-B. I try and put on the analyst hat is right. that I, I can sometimes side with everybody. I see the good in all of it. Yeah. But I think if you really take a step back, as I'm just hearing this now, and I think of the possibility of getting a wide receiver with a ton of upside right. for rotational, situational offensive linemen, if we're going to complain about Lane Johnson not playing this year, I've said it from the beginning, I don't think the Eagles are a team that's capable of winning the Super Bowl this year. Right. But if you get a guy as a wide receiver that you can develop into a stud, you can get backup offensive linemen later. Yes, you, you can. can probably find one on the street right now. Well, yeah, you Dennis w- Kelly's good, right. but I also watched Ndamukong Sue bench press him for an entire game <laughs> last year, so I know that he's not a great starter. Right. I think that this makes sense from the Eagles' perspective. It also shines a, a strong light on the lack of development of Nelson Aguilar and Josh Huff, right. and I think, it's, uh, I think it's very interesting. It is very interesting, and, and I, you, know, you make a good point because I do think Hey, offensive linemen are the type of thing, too, where they must feel comfortable with what they have there in Philadelphia. And, and Brooks, yes, Brandon Brooks, right. really impressive. So, but the, the Huge other, dude. The other thing, too, is there's always going to be a few at the end of training camp that, oh, a oh, team yeah. says, you know, this guy's still a good player, but we got a I'd young like guy I'd like to keep an up. extra corner. Right, we got to do this. So we might have to let go of this guy, even though he's our sixth lineman. Or uh, he was a borderline starter. They let him go because maybe he's making too much money and it's year nine of his career. Yeah. And those are the type of guys that do come free after preseason game really three or four. Really so. interesting. Makes, makes me look at the Titans wide receiving core, too, and kind of go, 
I, I really liked it with DGB. I yeah, I, I don't think they care. There. I think he wants to ground and pound. They mm. Their best receiver is who? It's Delaney Walker. That's True. their biggest weapon in the past and game. As we saw in that running game in the first game with uh, Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray, yes. man, that was some impressive uh, stuff. Yeah, and which was actually, if you want to go there too, which was uh, yeah, really even more amazing. Because this is the podcast. We, we do a lot of videos now right. as the season gets going. For people that listen to the podcast, check us out on Facebook Live. We're going to be doing shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday that schedule of what we're doing is going to be fleshed out. But right. our podcast is going to be the chance where throughout the season we get to really do deep dives into the stuff that we don't get to talk about all the time. Yeah. And, but I know that we have to talk about Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray because that was gorgeous it to was watch. It was unreal. Uh, now, they, they game-planned a few run plays, too, which I'm always a little bit like, yeah, that's cheating in preseason game one to have those type of plays. Oh, you're talking about, like, really developed pulling guards. Really developed and- little – just little tricks of the trade that, that, that certainly the San Diego defense did not see on film or and was not expecting. And if there's one run defense I think teams are, can have success against, it's going to be the San Diego yes, defense. Yes, definitely. All yeah. you have is Corey Legion up the, there. It's, it's, well, they on. have Brandon Meebane, but, yeah, yeah. They have issues with size. But yeah. the other thing, too, is well, interesting thing when I watched the game yesterday because I wanted to watch Jack Conklin, the guy they traded up for. Oh, at, crap. So yeah, he's playing he right look? tackle. Well, he looked good. He's big. He looks good in the uniform. But the funniest thing about it was they ran away from him the whole game. They ran left the whole to game. To Taylor Lewan. To Taylor Lewan. All the big runs you saw, Derrick Henry. Which side is Chance Warmack on? Uh, Chance Warmack is on the right. Uh, no, yeah, uh, yes, Chance Warmack okay. is on the right. But regardless, uh, Interesting. they ran left the whole game. Conklin looked good. I wasn't overly impressed. I wasn't as impressed with him as I was Jermaine Effetti. Uh, who I saw with the Seattle Seahawks. Really? Yes, he looked the part for and sure. And they need him to look the part because yes, he's they starting do. for them. Uh, yes, that he is starting. And uh, listen, Seattle would be a team I'd be – I still am a little concerned with Seattle overall. But uh, I, 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 I thought Derrick Henry was absolutely the star of the weekend. You know, all the people, oh, he can't create anything. He ran through these giant holes in Alabama. Well, he made a lot happen with not so many – not a great – what other games did you watch on Monday? Uh, I, you're putting me on the so spot. So Seattle, what else did you take from the Seattle game? Seattle, Kansas City, uh, the thing I took from that is, you know, Russell Wilson did look good. I know he threw the interception. Marcus Peters, okay. Uh, Stud. Uh, it, was unbelievable. it was a nice interception, really. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson was a little late throwing it out there into the flat. Christine Michael. Please, uh, tell me. Looked really phenomenal, uh, like a man possessed. And I've been reading the articles. They say he's sure, a changed man. Sure, uh, but- I feel the same way about Christy Michael the way I feel about Terrence West. Right. I think they're both very talented guys that put up huge numbers I'm in college. My computer. And I think Christine Michael had to leave to come back to right. realize, you know, some maturity. And I think Terrence West, being in the same city where he went to college, Towson's in Baltimore, yes. I think sometimes the comfort is a, is a really good thing no for doubt. a seemingly immature, very talented running back. To be a good thing or a disaster. So let me, ask, let me ask you this. Yes. Terrence West, Christine Michael, Derrick Henry, it's one preseason game. Right. How much can we really discern from these performances? Yeah, all you, uh, you can't dive too deep into what you see. Have you ever had a running back in one of your preseason, t- preseason teams show out and then, like, not amount to anything? Yes, I certainly have. I can't, I can't, well, this is the thing you always have to take in, into account, I think, when you, when you watch these first preseason games. Yes, you've got to evaluate guys' physical talent, but at the same time, you've got to evaluate who they're going against at times. And sometimes... 
there's, there's running backs that get to come in late in the third quarter. They're playing sure. against a bunch of guys that really are not going to probably right. be in the NFL, or if they are in the NFL, they're only going to be there for a year or two. They're so taking bad angles they have a great, the ball. Yes, yeah. they have a great physical advantage. Uh, so I think you have to take that into account. The guy in Baltimore that really impressed me was the Kenneth Dixon from he Louisiana is Tech. St- he looks so like Ray Rice. He does. He has got a chance to be really special. Uh, I want to pull up some rosters. That's all I want to look. All right, you do that. Yeah. I want to talk about some other stuff yeah. that we were talking about last night. Right. Uh, this is We're recording this on a Tuesday. Second episode of Hard Knocks is on tonight. Yes. I watched Hard Knocks last night because I wanted to talk about it on the show today. Yes. And the first thing that I noticed, and I texted you, is Jared Goff is not an alpha male. Jared Goff, I watched that show, and the first thing I texted you is, I'm thrilled the Eagles took Carson Wentz yes. because I watched Jared Goff. He still comes off as a child to me. Right. He still comes off as like physically underdeveloped. Right. I think he'll be a good quarterback. I think he's got great talent, but I kind of left there going, man, Chris Wanky's really having to coach this dude up because this guy is – he just doesn't seem to have presence to me. I only saw bits and pieces of the first one, but, yes, that would have been my concern. And we talked about this during the draft. I mean, we met him – uh, at the Super Bowl, super nice kid, uh, no doubt about it. But, yes, you're exactly right. Presence, uh, can he control a locker room? I don't know. I, I'm not sold on that yet. He's not – He's not. yes, he's not Carson Wentz or Paxson Lynch who just exorb, exorb? Is that exudes. Exudes, right, just confidence yeah. and like, hey, don't worry, guys, I'll figure it out and I'll get it done. Uh, I don't see that out of Jared Goff. And I don't see tremendous physical ability out of Jared Goff. That was my complaint the whole time. Have you ever met Chris Wanky? I have met Chris Wanky. What is the value? And I'm not saying this critically. Yeah, yeah, right. Someone that had the pressure of being a first-round pick. Right. The pressure. He went in there and did have success early on. Right. um, But he was always the old Heisman guy. What is a guy that has that perspective? What is he really passing down, a guy that's been in that position? Well, he can certainly give him little clues about pre-snap things as far as just little clues and coverages. Those are really big things. Like, man, you know, in the NFL, you get there and you go, cover two looks like cover four. In college, I could tell it was cover four. Like, the DBs didn't do a good job of disguising it. Uh, In the NFL, now you get out there and you go, man, I'm not sure what coverage they're playing here. This cover two looks exactly like the cover four, and there's going to be little things, whether it's how the nickels, the guy over the slot lines up. You can tell if it's cover two, Have cover Have you heard four. good things about Wanky as a teacher? Well, yes, Wanky is a good teacher. That's really what he was doing before he became a coach was he was schooling kids on mechanics and things like yeah. that, almost like Carson Palmer's Did brother. you like Wanky's mechanics when he played? Yes, he, had, he did have good mechanics. He wasn't an overly gifted thrower like where you were just like, oh, wow, he's a superstar. Right. Um, I've always thought those guys become the best teachers. Uh, the a guys lot of times that really do. have to work hard are the yes. guys that I think are the ones listening in all the drills and doing all the stuff. Sometimes it's hard for someone. Like, I can't see Dan Marino teaching anybody. Uh, no, That's it, God-given ability. He's not going to be able to pass agreed, that along. Agreed. Um, the other guy that I know you were super excited about uh, in terms of quarterbacks, we, we talked about Jared Goff there. Right. Uh, you came away, I mean, you texted me about Paxton Lynch. Yes. Just explain to people, our, our great Simpson Lefko podcast listeners. Right. Um, you've... You have always been someone that loves physical ability. Yeah. And well, I, well, listen. And, and time out, time yeah, out. Let me do yeah, this. I'm going right. to handle it for you because right. I can kill it down. Yeah. Size is a skill. Right. Arm strength is a skill. Right. You are not blinded by that. You still see, like, all the Stupid things. decisions. But Paxton and... Lynch showed you things beyond just his physical ability. Yes, he that did. That made you go, I really like this guy. What did he show you? Well, I think the first thing is, and you hit on it, we've talked about it. First of all, dropping from underneath center. That was no issue. Now, he got to little do that in little short yarded situations at Memphis. But, uh, you know, just the quick decision-making, 
Um, and then the accuracy on some of those short throws, which I, I know you were amazed by too when you saw he, it. The, I mean, the and first the ease two in throws, which the ball just pops out of his hands. Yes, it He's flies. A, he can be a thrower and a passer. And some people might go, what do you mean? A thrower is a guy, let's just say, really gifted, can throw just lasers all over the field. A passer might be Drew Brees, right? A little touch when he dissect you, boom, boom, be accurate, going to throw it on time all the time. Did he go through reads in that first game? He didn't have to go through a ton of them, but he certainly did enough for me to see to go, okay, this kid's got a clue what he's doing. And then, of course, you see the physical ability and the size within the pocket. because the thing is, look, we're not going to overreact to anything, right. but when you watch Jared Goff in their first preseason games, you see a lack of a spiral. When you watch Carson Wentz in his first preseason game, you see a majority of his balls going high. When you watch Paxton Lynch in his first preseason Piss game, missile. I mean, everything is on a frozen rope <laughs> right. and perfect location. Right. I just, I, I, I it, every slant was in the right spot to lead his receiver into an open space. Yes. And that was, it's the little things, though, where, yeah, you're not going to get down too much on Goff and Wentz. We're not going to get too high on Paxton. But yes. in week one, he did what he needed to do. Yes. Uh, speaking of Carson. You can always have more success, I think, that way than the other way around. All right? I would rather err on the guy that mm. goes, oh, he's got the physical talent. We can teach him the other stuff. Then, oh, he's got it. And he knows how to read the defense. But he doesn't have great physical talent. Well, you know, there, there's that, that's a very numbered few people in the yes. history of football that have had success that way. When I watched Carson Wentz's game against the Tampa Bay Bucks, as I was watching it, I was like, man, this guy is tough as nails. Yes. He's getting rocked. Right. He's, he's staying in the pocket until the very last second. Right. And then it turns out he's has a hairline fracture in his ribs. Uh how are these teams supposed to bring in these young quarterbacks that they're investing a first-round pick? Paxton Lynch playing with third-string offensive linemen. Carson Wentz playing with third-string offensive linemen. You need to get Sam Bradford and Chase Daniels the reps because that's the depth chart and that's right. the guys they're going to be playing with. Right. But what are they supposed to do to protect these guys? Because Carson Wentz can get really hurt playing with these guys. He's already fractured a rib. Yes. What and are they supposed to do? Well, and especially because, you know, they're, they're competitors too, and they want to show their team and show the city that I, yeah. I was worth being the number two pick, so I'm just going to stand in here and get hit by Mack Trucks. Like I watched the Bears. The Bears offensive line, there's not a lot of depth. All of their quarterbacks were getting rocked. Right. Like David Fales was getting jacked yes. up. And, and a lot of it's offensive line play, and we've talked about it. Offensive line right now, coaches don't want to put their guys out there because there's not a lot of depth. Right. But what should they do? Well, I, I think this is the, the big thing, and I, I'll take this from John Gruden. I mean, uh, you have to be smart and conservative a little bit with some of these young guys. Keep the tight end in more times than not. Have the extra blockers to just say, you know what, we're only going to send three receivers out, but we're going to make it simple. I'm going to make sure he doesn't have to worry if he's hot or changing protections and blitzes. Let's just get him out there, get him used to the speed of the game. Is that it? Everyone says you want to be out there when the bullets start flying. Right. Is just being out there, even if you're in like 11 personnel or something like that where you're really keeping a guy in, yeah. is that hampering his development because he's not going through his full reads and he's not getting the playbook? No, I don't think okay. it is. I really don't. It's more of a speed of the game yeah, thing. Preseason just, is, let's see how big these linebackers are. Let's see how fast these corners are. Right. We don't need to do all the plays. Yes, no that's, doubt that's about the it. truth? It really is the okay. truth. I, I, and I can remember being a rookie like the first time coming off the sidelines with other rookies. And we a lot of us played big-time college footballs yeah. with guys with Virginia Tech and West Virginia and wherever else. And we all walked off and we were like, man, this is awesome. 
I mean, I just can't get over how fast everything is going on and happening. And hey, little things that we all take for granted is, you know, the play clock, the NFL. You're like, holy cow, what's the play? You're right. Huh? Okay. So here's the play. Let me get up to the line of scrimmage. 40 in college? Right. It was forever in college because then they take like 30 minutes to spot the ball. Right. Then they got to move the chains. Exactly. It was forever. So you had all day. I mean, that's why you sit there and watch college football. It's unbearable sometimes because the guy goes like this. He looks at the sidelines. He goes like this, looks back at the other sidelines. And then they do it again, and they finally run the play. It drives you crazy. That's not going to go on in the right. NFL. So, yeah, you, you have to err on the, on the side of safety, I think, with some of these young quarterbacks. So it sounds like the preseason is kind of like when you go to a new job. Right. Like, I remember when I started at Bleacher Report, and that first few weeks, I had no idea what to do because it's like, what is my schedule? Like, right. what do I do? And it's more of just going, oh, the bathroom's here. The kitchen's here. Right. Is it really that simple it to really, a rookie like it that? It really is. The, the world, the life is a whirlwind. I mean, we all think like, oh, you know, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, they look cool, calm, and collect. But trust me, they're on the inside going like, holy cow. I mean, every day, it's like they yeah. have no routine. I've moved to a new city. I don't know these coaches. Uh, I'm not the big man in the locker room anymore. And there's other guys on my team that – yeah, I might be more talented than on the, at the quarterback position, but, man, it's not much. I might be the first pick of the draft, but I'm barely more talented than the guy that's my backup. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of adjusting that I don't think people give credit for. Are there any other guys that you've seen on film from preseason week one that you went, I really like the look of him in his jersey. I really like the pick, and it makes sense. Uh, Just, like, looking over the games. Yeah, and certainly. Guys- I, I think, you know, Vernon Butler for the Carolina Panthers sure. out of Louisiana Tech, another guy. I thought he – You were, you were high on the whole draft process. I was. you feel good about that I one? really do. I think he looked phenomenal. Uh, you know, listen, I, I didn't watch the film of the Patriots-Saints game, but you talked about it. Michael yeah. Thomas is a guy I might have been wrong about. He he does look like he's got a little more pep in his step than I gave him credit for at Ohio State. Is there a possibility? Um, like, wh- wh- like, so let, let me the just... Jaguars guys, not only Dante Fowler, but Yannick Ngakwe on the yeah, other side. Yeah, he had a nice sack. I mean, they got, they got beasts everywhere. Let me ask you about the draft process with Ma- Michael Thomas because right. it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, beyond the fact, Mike, uh, Matt Miller, of course, had him number one at wide receiver. You, what were you unsure about with Michael Thomas? Uh, I didn't think Michael Thomas could really separate, which I'm not sold on that yet. Right. Uh, but I think his ability to adjust to the ball, and it looks mm. like he's a smart player, which he's going to be working the middle of the field a lot. And I never saw plays – um, I never saw Yak in college. That was right. my big issue. So, never saw any highlight plays where he breaks a tackle, makes people miss. It was only maybe one or two. So what can you do as a draft evaluator right. to look back and go, what did I miss here? You know, you're going to miss. Because he, he could still be average. He could be great. Right. But I'm just I'm curious. Like We're seeing all these sparks right now. Because you always have to self-evaluate. You have to. So what do you think it could have been that – yeah, I, I I think maybe listen. You're gonna be wrong no matter what. I don't care who you are. Bill Belichick's wrong. Yeah, you know, we Sean don't Payton's have to justify wrong. that. No, I know. I'm just I'm just putting it in context. I think too, what we're at a disadvantage with sometimes is, I want to see the guys in person, and you can't see them in person. Sometimes film doesn't do you justice. Like size and size, stuff? even speed, because sometimes a guy's a long strider, and you just go, oh, he doesn't look that explosive, but. You know, like, I bet you Odell Beckham Jr. is like that a little in person. You go, yeah, he's fast on film. But then if we went out there and watched the game, we'd go, like, holy crap, he's really fast. Kind of like we were with Amari Cooper last year when we right. saw him training camp, where we like, we knew he was awesome, but the first time we saw him shake somebody at the line of scrimmage and then make a move and cut and break, we were like, 
What? It's funny. So I, I almost equate that. That's where we're at a little disadvantage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What else? And, before and, I you know, and I, th I think I think I think that was that was it. Because the one thing I was going to say is the the number one adjective used to describe a description to describe Simone Biles in the Olympics was she makes it look easy. Yeah. Right. And there are certain types of athletes whose capabilities are so high yes. that when they do things, it's so smooth, and you take it for granted sometimes. Right. I'm not saying Michael Thomas is in the Odell Beckham Jr. Simone Biles. I do think Odell Beckham Jr. and Simone Biles are in the same class Definitely. of that. Like Usain Bolt, Michael Phelps, like you are a once-in-a-generation talent. Odell Beckham Jr. is doing, I don't know, I, I think everybody gets caught up with his off-the-field stuff. He's doing truly epic stuff in the NFL. I mean, he's off to a Jerry Rice type of start like, to I, his I'm career. Be honest, Randy I Moss. just started and he missed the on, first four games of his career. I, I'm just focusing now on fantasy because right. they just they did a fantasy pull out of the hat and I have the fifth pick and for my draft. Right. And they were like looking at it and they're like, Oh, I'm definitely taking Antonio Brown first. I'm definitely taking Julio Jones and I'm going I think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to have the biggest wide receiver year. And I think number two is going to be Allen Robinson. Like, those are the two wide receivers that I go. Like, they're the ones that are about to hit their peak. Yes. And I kind of look at Antonio Brown kind of like rounding out. And I kind of look at Julio Jones. I still think he's a – I still yes. don't think they're top three, five. Right. But I kind of look at in terms of, like, the explosive <laughs> guys. Like, I kind of see A.J. Green reaching his peak right. right now. But I look at Odell and Allen Robinson and go, these guys are – are physical specimens that are three years in the league, know the offense, have offenses that throw in the ball. I just think these guys are going to be enormous. This is the easiest way to put it, like for fans out there sometimes too, like with those guys, Allen Robinson, Odell Beckham Jr. They can play in any offense, and you could say, we're just going to put you on the left all game long, and they're still going to get 100 yards receiving. No disrespect to Antonio Brown, but he is not that guy. He is not capable of that. You can't just say, hey, Antonio, we're going to put you, flank you out by yourself all game long. Richard Sherman's going to be over you, and you're going to dominate him all game. That is not going to happen. Antonio Brown needs help with formations, bunches, a little play design every now and then, and that's not a bad thing. Not at all. That's just the he way he executes that better than anybody. He does, and, and he's going to have tremendous numbers because of that as well. But that's why I put Julio Odell Allen Robinson in a different class because I don't care what crappy offense they are in. Yeah. If you get single coverage, you can go covered, not covered. I don't really care. One of the reasons why the Brandon open. Marshall has been so su successful. Yes. Because he has an ability to dominate at times. Yes. And I think Antonio Brown's the same reason why Julian Edelman is always knocked as not an elite wide receiver. He is one of the best to ever do the system that he's right. doing. Right. Just like Antonio Brown. Right. And that is a skill set. Yes. There is that there you're but you're compared to something different. Yes. You're because a skill you're not set. jumping over anybody. You're not dominating anybody. Right. But you are in moments uncoverable but in a different way right um do, 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 what was the other thing oh the one thing i want to get into at the end is kind of a, a serious thing just with what's happening with the al jazeera reports that right. came out yesterday right. but i want to equate it back to something that happened earlier this offseason cool. the bennett brothers in their article with espn right. kind of talked about we're willing to talk about anything right and then michael bennett famously came out Called out Cam Newton, later apologized, but was really calling out all the quarterbacks for not speaking up and taking a stance. Right. Aaron Rodgers, in an interview yesterday, said players, quote, are worried, could be possibly worried about repercussions on speaking their mind for their league. Yes. Uh, then uh, Lane Johnson came out when the whole steroids thing came out and said the NFLPA does not stand up for their players. Now the NFL is 
threatening suspensions on um, James Harrison, Clay Matthews, and Julius Peppers. Right. If they don't come and interview with the league for something they're being accused of, they could be suspended. Right. We are in a very interesting time right now right. where the players are seemingly not taking a stand. Right. The players that are taking a stand are, are, are either being deemed like wrong by the press for calling out other players or they're being threatened with suspensions for not coming forward. Right. James Harrison has already said, I will do an interview, but you are coming to me because you are messing with my workout schedule with this team, and you will interview when I say it's right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's crazy that we're having players right now where the accusations are being seen as guilty. They are being guilty until proven innocent, and the only guy that's being, been really let off is a guy that's retired. Right, but he did cooperate fully. He did cooperate. Yeah. But I just look. We have five more years of this collective bargaining agreement, yes. and I'm, and I, I saw uh, some people tweeted out the one guy that does the legal uh, thing for ESPN, Andrew Brandt. Right. I think it's ESPN, Andrew Brandt, whatever yeah, his Twitter right. handle is. Right. Came out and said, I can really see that the players can focus on Goodell's power in five years right. and being willing to sacrifice things like an 18-game schedule to get rid of that because that's how negotiations work. And this could be a distraction option and mm. all that. But it is interesting that right now I see a league where the NFL players have no power whatsoever. They can't speak up. The, the commissioner can do whatever he wants. They, they are getting jobbed right now on right. finances. Right. But in terms of speaking up right now, they seem helpless. They are helpless. And I, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is spot on. Everybody's scared of, you know, Darth Vader, which is Roger Goodell. I, listen, I was scared of Darth Vader. I, I was scared when I hurt my spleen. I had a lot of people tell me, you got to sue the NFL. You should sue the Bucks. All this. But I was like, I'll never play in the NFL again. I'll almost be blacklisted uh, if, I, if I take that approach and go, you know what? You guys should have diagnosed that I was dying on the sidelines a little quicker. Uh, so there is certainly that little issue you have. And then this is a deep subject, man. Um, first of all, the NFL, because of the CBA and what we saw with Tom Brady, has every right to do this. Again, yes. it's conduct, conduct detrimental to the NFL. And before I say this, listen, if I, before I go into this, and I might take some flack for this, but I don't really care. If there was three guys that I heard most rumored with performance-enhancing drugs in the NFL, and I don't think performance-enhancing drugs go on in the NFL quite as much as people would think, first of all, because I think the African-American athlete is the greatest physical specimen on the planet, and a lot of times they don't need it, and I've been around a lot of those guys, uh, and, and I was acting bad, too. And the athletes too. that make the NFL in general are an insane level of athlete. Insane level athlete, and I think if you, like, we've had this. If you looked at their parents, you'd understand a little more, too. But if there was three guys that you, I always heard the rumors about, it would be the Clay Matthews, Julius Peppers, and James Harrison. Players, coaches, there was always question marks about those three. Question marks in terms of, wow, they're so impressive, it must be something, or I heard from a guy. I feel like, it, yes, it was a little bit of both, you know, or just, mm, I don't know, with his shirt off, he looks a little different than even for the normal NFL player guy. You know what I mean? Things like that. So, uh, so Clay Matthews, there was always the USC rumors because right. of what happened with, with Cushing and all that sure, stuff. Sure, exactly right. Um, Julius Peppers is the one that shocks me because he has always been an insane athlete. And yeah. James Harrison, right. I mean, look, I get an Instagram video of him working out every day. Uh, what, what do you like? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, you know, 
yeah, James Harrison, of course, is a freak in nature in his own right. But, yes, I don't know. I'm just telling you that's all the yeah, things the, I the always thing, heard. The reason that I, right. I feel the need, like I want to defend them and stuff, is I think accusing someone of steroids casually, informally, formally, is something that is challenging everything that you've worked on your entire life, right. and it puts everything to question. Right. I mean, you could do steroids one time at 35, and people are like, oh, that season at 23, he was probably doing steroids but I, too. But I'm sure, I would think the NFL has a little more than just like, we just saw the interview with this guy. There's got to be at least some paper affiliation that these guys had with this doctor or this, this, this science center, whatever the hell it was. So they must know, okay, they were involved in it. Now, we don't know to what extent. Was right. it doing good, bad, illegal, whatever it is. So I do think there's that. How much and the NFL it? has to crack down on it. Listen, first of all, this PEDs are illegal in our country. They are illegal. It's an illegal drug. It's a bad example to set for young children. Oh, so, Cheating you're, not, is so you're not taking a stance that the NFL shouldn't be doing this. No, the, this is something I think the NFL should take very serious. I'm one that I think when it comes to PEDs, what do you I, think about threatening? Release, I want to know what he tested positive for. I want to know. Let's start embarrassing well, the what players. What do you think about threatening suspensions for not going and doing interviews? You know, Because I, I was taking the, the route of this is an overstep boundary by the NFL and this is a little crazy. I, and I was not expecting you to take the side of yeah, I, bring I think, these guys in and let's see if they're doing steroids. I do. I think the NFL should do it. I am, I'm more on the NFL side for this. If I'm mad at this whole, this whole circumstance, I'm mad at my old point of some of the superstars during the last CBA dropped the ball by not sticking up the players. The Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's, maybe even the Eli Mannings, the Aaron Rodgers, all of them, those are the guys that are going to get the media pressure, the public backing. Because if you remember back at the CBA, the fans became, oh, these guys are making millions of dollars. Would they just go out there and play football? Like, no, it's not that easy. And, you know, screw the 32 billionaires. They're making tons of money. They don't need any more money. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, no, the players need more rights. They, they did not handle the last CBA correctly. And they have to go back to the drawing board. And my, the Bennett's make a big uh, – they make a nice point. I mean, you look at it, it looks like the CBA for the last time was made for veteran players who have been around the NFL for a long time. And the quarterbacks. And I have an issue with that because there's guys like, you know, we talked about Alfred Morris. Or here's Malcolm Butler for the New England Patriots. If you Patriots, go look at how much to... money Alfred Morris has made in his career thus far, right. it is laughable. It's a laughable. And he's for the what one... he's done in the right. league and where he's ranked, it is crazy. Malcolm Butler. Uh, question. Right. Question. Right. Um, so, um, I've closed this. Julius Bemmer, uh, Peppers. Hall of Famer? Oof. I think it's borderline. Clay Matthews? Not to this point, no. Uh, James Harrison? No. So this is more of, like, because that would prevent them from, I just wasn't yes. sure where you would put you them. You know, this is where, I like, the Julius Peppers thing, and, I, you know, I, of course, played against them, and he's a freak of nature. But also, Julius had that point at the end of his Carolina career where he really fell off. I mean, that's why they were like, okay, I think the, it's come to an end. You can go to the Packers. And then all of a sudden, he went to, he went to uh, did he go to the Packers first? I believe so. Uh, then he go to Chicago first, and then he you're went right. to the Packers, right? Okay. You're right, you're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, no, no, I couldn't remember either. But I think then all of a sudden, it was a little bit of a revitalization of his career. Uh, so that thing, that happens naturally too. But again, I'm just saying what I've heard. I don't know any of this, but yeah. I would say those are three names that have always kind of been in that rumor mill. It's a tough situation. It is a very it's tough, a tough situation. rumor to throw out, and I appreciate being honest. Uh, my one suggestion, right. we're five years away from the CBA. Right. My recommendation to the NFLPA, spend the next five years figuring out how you're going to support those veterans and those rookies that don't make a lot of money, that if you guys need to strike and you need to lock out, that you 
you can financially support them for an extended period of time. Because that is the only leverage play that you have right. in this is saying that we're not going to play football. Right. And eventually you're going to have so many of those players crying out to you, I need to play. Right. I need those checks. Right. And there's going to be a lot that are going to want to cross those picket lines and play, and it's going to threaten them. And what's going to happen is eventually the Drew Breeses and the Tom Brady's are going to go, I'm getting pressured by the Brian Storks of the world exactly, right now. Right. And, and the Akeem, not the Akeem X, but these guys are not getting paid a lot right. of money, and I need to do something right, right. now. you got five years whether it's starting to save up money, whether it's reaching out to the NFL player reps and going, yeah, can we start saving some money? Right. Prepare now because it's the only leverage you have. Right. And I, I would like to see – I don't need to say the players win. I, I don't think it's good in any contract negotiation, whether it's my contract or your contract right. or the NFL's TV contract for one win over. But there is a way to make it more fair, right. and currently it is not fair at all. Agreed. And that's what you're going to need to be ready for because right. you're going to need to threaten because they're coming at with you with 18 games. They're coming at you with Extra less money. Whatever. There, right. will, there will be a lot of things. And I really hope that I'm behind the ball, and they've been doing this since the first one. Right. I'm sure they're getting back to prepared for this because I was part of the last CBA where we probably started be preparing for it about three years before it where they said, you know what? We might have a lockout. Well, I hope this is spurring. We're going to start a lot some money for you guys to save in case we don't play that year. Uh, but, yeah, they need to get on it now. And the other thing, too, where the players do have the power, and I just brought up Malcolm Butler, DeAndre Hopkins, sit out. Yeah, go let New England play without you, Malcolm Butler. You guys play a lot of man-to-man, and Malcolm Butler, you're one of the best man corners in football. They will buckle. Houston Texans, will they have an offense without DeAndre Hopkins? I'm not sure. It's going to take those guys, like we talked about with Von Miller this offseason, yeah. who have to kind of just make a stand and be like, you know what? I'm in the prime of my career. I can waste 10 games to it's get paid for some security. I understand why they don't. It's really it's hard. hard. Right. It's really hard for Joey Bosa not to be in camp. Right. And yet Antonio Gates is calling him out for not being in camp. Right. Even though Antonio Gates in his career has held out. Mm-hmm. It. I, it, it's got to be hard when you have Twitter and social media, and, and a lot of people say, oh, don't look at it. It's not possible. It's on your phone. Right. You look at it. You're a human being. You have fans. You have teammates. You have the press. You have your family. You have your friends telling you, why aren't you there? Right. I understand why you play, but you can sacrifice a little bit of time for a long-term impact. Yeah. It's going to take a few special ones to do it. Right. Sims and Lufko, we're going to be doing the podcast every week. Uh we're going to have kind of observations after week two next week. Yeah. I uh, got some deep shit. And I dig <laughs> it. Fendrick isn't here. We miss him. Can, thank you much for the breaking news Did about we miss him, DGB. Really? Did we miss him? Uh, no, this, this is one of the first times where I really feel like I didn't miss him. Oh, yeah, good. I feel like we're getting our stride. <laughs> He's in the Bahamas, him. so, um, you know. And it was episode 70 76. Well, we. we, we We'll figure it out. Yeah. All right, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, at Simpson Left. Go subscribe on iTunes, as always. Leave a review. Uh, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. I'm Be an good. idiot. I am an idiot.